welcome to Little Gold Men, the award season podcast from Vanity Fair and Panoply. I'm Katie Rich, the deputy editor of VanityFair.com, and I'm here as always with our digital director, Mike Hogan. Hello. Our film critic, Richard Lawson. Hello. And our senior writer, Joanna Robinson. Hi, Katie. So this is an exciting pre-Thanksgiving time. It's a really busy time for all the movies trying to get themselves in front of people who will vote on awards, which ranges from critics to SAG members to eventually Academy members. Uh, So there's a lot to catch up on. And I wanted to start with, I think, one of my favorite traditions of award season that I didn't get to participate in this year, which I get very jealous of, which is where some movie that's been hiding itself uh, until the last minute reveals itself. And in this case, on Sunday night, The Post, the movie by Steven Spielberg, uh, had a virtually simultaneous screenings in New York and Los Angeles and as we record this it's still embargoed so we can't actually tell you whether or not it's any good Uh, but Richard you were in the room and I think we're going to try to talk around the embargo as much as possible to just kind of reflect on uh, on what happened when Spielberg finally showed his cards. Yes, I was in the room where it happened. It was a, it was a really, uh, it was a kind of a fun night because I mean it was Sunday night and it was on the Upper Side, which is far from where I live, so that was kind of annoying. But but <laughs> the there were it was just like a very excited energy. You know, no one had seen this movie really. You know, it wasn't like hadn't been any festivals or anything, so it was it it, it felt. Um, you know, it felt fun and heightened. And I think, uh, and again, I'm not allowed to talk about the quality of the movie, whatever, but certainly the audience response tells us something in that like people were cheering intermittently and clapping throughout the movie, like not just at the end. They did a panel with Mark Harris, uh, who moderated with Spielberg and Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks, and they got a huge standing ovation when they came out. I mean, it was, um, it felt like an event, which is exactly, you know, what they wanted. So, so it, yeah. it worked. It worked. We talk about festival fever, but this is like secret screening fever oh, yeah. is even more intense, right? Everybody there feels lucky at some level that they're in the room. You know, you're the first person to see it, which is amazing. And, you know, so it's like, and then you've got Spielberg, Meryl Streep, Tom Hanks, Mark Harris, even. I mean, <laughs> in uh, the building. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's quite a, that's quite Bob uh, Odenkirk, right? Who else was there? In the, uh, uh, I think Sarah Paulson was there, maybe. Okay. Yeah. But it's just, uh, yeah, I, I kind of was thinking of it like um, when I went to the opening night of Hello Dolly, and which was a great show, a great production. Right. But a lot of the audience energy was like, congratulating themselves yes. for being there uh-huh. do you know like we're <laughs> yeah. experiencing this like event is same with glenn close and sunset boulevard or something so it was that that was very much the mood and so who knows what that you know the effusiveness of that response who knows how that actually translates into people seeing the movie in very different contexts right but it's a great start for the movie yes mm-hmm. yeah well, self-congratulations seems like it's going to be part of the text of this movie. It's about the Pentagon Papers. It's about journalists kind of crusading against the restrictive presidential administration. I mean, I think Spielberg himself said at the Q&A, he felt like he had to make this movie really fast because of how much it ties into what is obviously going on in politics right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that I think I can. I mean, we, we know the story anyway. So without, you know, talking about the content of the film. Yes, the story is very timely. They know that the studio knows that the audience felt it. You know, so I, I think that there are enough buttons being pushed uh, in this Pentagon paper story about, you know, going up a newspaper or newspapers, plural, going up against the Nixon administration, which was very vindictive. Yeah, I mean, that that might have some parallels to today. I'm also <laughs> already starting to hear uh, people say, boy, the, all the president's men is actually totally sexist and completely erased Catherine Graham, uh, played by Meryl Streep from mm. from the original film so there's a, there's also this kind of like they're already laying in i'm not saying that this was planned by the studio this was just critics talking yeah but it seems like there's already a latent like feminist message at this time woman in the workplace you know take, i mean obviously that's part of the 
pl- plan for sure. Yeah, right? and, this and Kay Graham, it's all about a woman's decision. This right. film, and Spielberg said as much at the Q and A. He yeah. said this is as much a movie, if not more, about uh, you know women in the workplace or just you know women in, in a patriarchal society as it is about this other stuff. So, so that's definitely you know uh, was on the mind of the filmmakers. I'm, it's certainly going to be on the mind of the people running the awards campaign. Yeah, you know, honor the women, honor the film, maybe. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh-huh. I don't know. I hate to keep returning to that one, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. It 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 feels very of the moment, and the story the story in general, not the movie in particular, but it feels very of the moment. And and I think that's exactly what the audience is in New York, and uh, from what I can tell from LA, was it played equally as well. So yeah, it's so funny to compare this to our reaction to the trailer, where we're like, "Oh, this looks so stolid," and like probably Meryl will get like an obligatory nomination, but we don't really see it as a threat. And then I'm not spoiling anything because everything I've heard has been like fifth hand from the screening. I was nowhere near the vicinity, but uh, it, it feels like people do consider this a big game changer uh, in terms of the race, in terms of some of the bigger awards. Tweena, and, can, uh, I just, can I just interrupt yeah. you? Were, were you being really polite when we were talking about the trailer? Because I, I remember it being a favorable conversation about the trailer. Were you secretly thinking this thing looks stolid as hell and boring? <laughs> Maybe I, I stolid like we is were like... All like, this is a great trailer. <laughs> this movie's going to crush the Oscar season. Really? Okay, maybe I'm just maybe completely I'm, misremembering. But like, I'm probably <laughs> I thought we wrong. were like, I never remember anything. Right. I thought we were like lukewarm on it. Not like maybe Stalin's too too much. But <laughs> I, I think we were just sort of like, mm, it's fine. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm, well, there's a record of it, so we can yeah, go we'll back. Just and go back. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Well, sorry to interrupt. No. I, no. 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 I. I. You know, if I'm if I'm uh, fake newsing up in here, that that will not do when we're talking about the post. So. <laughs> but I think that you hit on something that's exactly right, Joanna, which is that here we'd had a, we have an awards season, uh, unlike many you know others in recent memory, where there is no clear front runner. It's a lot of smaller movies. There wasn't you know I guess Dunkirk was a bigger thing, but that was so long ago. You know uh, this felt like a very eclectic year, and then here. A, almost the 11th hour arrives this movie that is as traditionally Oscar seeming uh, as, as one could think of in a way um, just ki- and now it's like kind of plunked down and it's like, Oh wait, did this, did this, is this now going to be the obstacle for a lot of smaller movies all yeah. of a sudden? Um, we shall see. I mean, but, with that cast, that creative group i mean this thing is like a bomb dropped in the center right. of this race for yeah sure. when we talked about in the, when the trailer came out it was like we've all been a little silly to just kind of omit that that this movie from the conversation up until recently it's yes. like it's a steven spielberg movie with tom hanks and meryl streep right. about a newspaper like come yeah. on mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. although we have to i mean I, i'm sure we've noted it too that spielberg you know bridge of spies did pretty well mark Rylance won an oscar lincoln was really in the hunt and then didn't win best picture but he hasn't always necessarily been a slam dunk and there was a sense that like it, it, i think we don't we take him for granted in some way and Tom Hanks has been nominated in so long so it, it feels like it's almost like Spielberg has positioned himself where he can be an underdog in this race which is kind of crazy and it's going to be interesting because the dynamic of all of these small movies and you know for a while we we're like what if Lady Bird wins best picture what if the Florida Project wins best picture and now if it turns out to be the post even though it seems like it's a great movie I wonder if there's going to already be some backlash built in where like these small movies had their chance and then the 800 pound gorilla of Spielberg comes in and, and runs away with it well that's the thing is like I had convinced myself and I know I did this with Moonlight last year and I like it wound up turning out well for that but like I had convinced myself I was like Lady Bird is gonna do it like this is gonna be Lady Bird's year and I don't know why I thought like two years in a row the like tiny very niche movie would win a 24 release yeah yeah um you know, and then the post came along, and it's like, oh, okay, like, uh, you know, that that sort of went well, out the window for I me. Think it's, as, yeah. I think it's way too soon to, to count Lady Bird out. 
I mean, I think that the that the passions that Lady Bird is inspiring are real, and that can ca- that will that can carry a movie to the end. I think you know. I mean, it doesn't. It 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 could almost be. God help me. Is this like a Shakespeare in Love, uh, Saving Private Ryan thing? I thought like, this too. With Shakespeare in Love is really good. Yeah, or, uh, or like it's it's like Spielberg was the Dunkirk last time with Saving Private Ryan, where he'd been out earlier in the year and he had time to right. kind of whisk it away, and now he's the, now he gets to be the Shakespeare in Love. Oh, okay. Well, I exactly. I mean, I think that you know, again, I am not assessing the quality of the film, but because I'm not allowed to do that until a f- further date. But I, I was saying this to Katie, I think yesterday, or and, and Joe Reed, friend of the podcast. What this movie does, I think, is whether or not it wins Best Picture or anything like that. I think it's bad news for Dunkirk because it, yeah. it siphons away some of the quote, you know, like old people vote, the stolid mm-hmm. traditional vote. And it's much more current. I mean, it's not out till the end of December, whereas D- Dunkirk was out in July. I think that I don't know what's if either was going to win or not or will win. But I think that Dunkirk was sort of the the sole outlier in this very small indie year. And now this other thing is there to kind of steal its thunder. There's, al- there's almost like a Bernie versus Hillary thing between, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> between Lady Bird and some of those movies. And, and now the post is the Hillary movie. It's like yeah. Meryl versus Greta. The DNC approved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who is the down in Brazil in this situation? I, I don't know because they're both pretty white. So there's there's probably, you know, I guess Get Out would be the, the, the third one. Right. Right. We move slightly away from the political um, allegory. Um, no, we we can stay there. But the question again that that we keep coming up is like we don't know how this new class is going to vote, right? And so we don't know. Moonlight felt like a surprise for everyone, <laughs> literally last year, and that was even before even more new members sort of joined the academy. And so, you know. Are they going to want to reward Spielberg and, and the and the typical Oscar movie, even if it does, even if it is being pitched with a feminist message and a and an anti-Trump sort of pro-media message, or are you know are they going to vote again for the for the Bernie? Well, I, I mean, <laughs> you know, we'll have we have plenty of time to game this all out, but like um, I think we we talked about last year. Uh, a writer named Daniel Joyot had had sent us a post where he kind of broke down why Moonlight won, and it's all about that tiered tiered balloting and all that stuff. And so I think that what a movie like The Post or Dunkirk, maybe before The Post came along, has to its advantage is that there is not one other favorite. That's the kind of the problem. It's not a binary between La La Land or Moonlight or whatever. It's there, a lot of people are going to have you know Lady Bird is their number one or Three Billboards or whatever yeah. or Shape of Water, mm-hmm. and so. They're not. They might not get the the right amount of sort of number one votes, and then so I mean there needs to be a certain percentage of of you know number one votes for a movie to win. But anyway, I, I, I not to get into the math of it because I still don't really understand it. Yeah. But my thinking would be that because this is such a diverse year, that even though the Academy is different and is voting differently the more traditional movies still could win because just there are still a lot of traditional voting people in the, in the body. Enough of yeah. them anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think you're right that it would have to be like a real David and Goliath uh, race, not a Goliath and a bunch of little Davids. You know what I mean? So right. like mm-hmm. if Lady Bird, if, if like the critics uh, awards start coming out and stuff like that and, and Lady Bird just starts winning everything and becomes this like great little underdog story of the award season, even though it was like my top dog a few days ago. Then, then I could see that being a thing. But you're right, Richard. As long as it's split across these uh, smaller projects, then it's not it's not going to do it. Yeah. So. But more viscerally, I think 
you know, and the political analogy still applies. Like La La Land was the movie you were supposed to like, and Moonlight was the movie that you could, you were surprised how much you liked. You know, like like one is a little bit of a letdown once you've heard the hype, and the other one kind of caught you by surprise. And I think Lady Bird has caught a lot of people by surprise. It has mm-hmm. that thing going for it, and it has. Now I don't know, you know, maybe people who see it from here on out going forward are like, okay, my God, hundred percent Rotten Tomatoes, like you know, everybody singing its praises, like it's just a movie about a kid in high school, right? But up till now, it's been kind of like, wow, I cannot believe how much I connect with this movie. Whereas I don't know because I haven't seen the post and you're not allowed to tell us what you think, but we'll see Spielberg has a tendency at this stage in his career to sort of be like it is, you know, etched in stone that you must uh, Mm -hmm. worship this film. So if, if, but I think that's a great point about whether, whether in, in both cases, can the post pull away from Dunkirk and be the option, the establishment option and can Lady Bird or three billboards or something else pull away from everybody else? I think Lady Bird is well suited, not only because of the emotional connection, but because it has a female director, which I think is just so incredibly key this year. And a, a director who everyone in the industry seems to love. Yeah. Like I haven't mm-hmm. heard anything, you know, I, I haven't heard anyone grumbling about Greta Gerwig. Right. You know, um, mm-hmm. well, it'll be interesting, if, you know, oh, well, yeah, who got the milkshake <laughs> duck. I just, uh, but so I'll be out next week, but I, you know, on that, I am going to still be in New York and we're voting for the New York Film Critics Circle Awards on the 30th, uh, next Thursday. You know, I that will only be my second time doing it. But last year I went in sort of knowing again that it was going to be Moonlight or La La whatever, or, or maybe Manchester. But this year it's going to be crazy. And I like because there's so many movies and there's so many different like little factions of people who support different movies. I think we're going to be in there all day, which will be kind of interesting. But I also think that I think we're the first group announcing this year. And I want I, I, it'll just be interesting. Maybe we'll finally have some clarification about like what the small movie people are championing is. I think that you're right. It's going to be Lady Bird. I think I think that's yeah. how it's going to shake. Yeah, and I think that so the LA Film Critics vote a couple days after. I think if, if say Lady Bird won New York and LA, which usually doesn't happen, usually I think the LA critics try to go their own way. But if something like that happens, I think you could see that narrative solidify really fast, especially because it's still a hit. Like it, it is playing. I think it's expanding nationwide this weekend over Thanksgiving. I can imagine a whole lot of moms and daughters going to see it together over Thanksgiving. It's it's got it's building up steam at the exact right time for something like that. And you know, to your point, um, Mike about the hype and being disappointed and stuff like that. Like I was petrified that I wasn't going to like lady bird enough. I went in and I was like, Katie is really invested in me liking this movie. (laughs) Everyone really likes this movie. Um, and so I was just like bracing myself for being like, this is just a story about a girl. And I just, that movie just gets you, man, the specificity of that experience translated to like a universal, everyone can relate to it thing. You know, as long as people see it, I think they will love it. So yeah. Ladybird, right. go. go. Well, Lady now that we, now that we've gotten wrapped up in Ladybird and we talked about the post, is this the good time to transition into our best actress conversation? You set us up so perfectly, Joanna. Yes, please. <laughs> so, yeah, I think Joanna, you wanted to talk about this because you had just you had finally caught up with three billboards, as did I. And Frances McDormand has been kind of widely discussed as a big time front runner in this category, especially since it won the Audience Award at Toronto. There's clearly a lot of people really rallying behind it. Um, so, yeah, what 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 has your imagination captured about best actress at this point? Um, I, I was so certain that this 
performance I hadn't seen in, by an actress I really respect uh, in a film by a filmmaker I really respect was going to be, I was going to be like, oh, that's it, of course. And then I saw it and I was like, no, that's not it for me. Like I, I three billboards not landing for me the same way that it landed for a lot of people. And um, there's something just really uneven and weird about it for me, though I admire a lot of what Frances McDormand's doing. And I, also really admired a lot of what Sam Rockwell was doing. Uh, it didn't hit me emotionally. And um, for some reason, uh, that is important to me. <laughs> so, you know, that's that's what Moonlight did for me. That's what Lady Bird did for me. And so then I was back on the Saoirse Ronan train and I was like, it's going to be Saoirse. Like, it's not going to be Francis. I haven't seen Sally Hawkins in Shape of Water yet, but I was like, it's going to be Saoirse. It's going to be her year. It's going to be the third year of like a young, slim, sometimes blonde actress that all seem like they're friends with each other. It's going to be <laughs> Saoirse. And then, <laughs> and then, the post happened and I'm like, what if it's Meryl again? I can't like, I'm sure she's amazing and I don't want Richard to tell me and I'm sure it's great, but I'm like, I just can't if Meryl Streep wins the Oscar again this year. I'll, I don't know. I'm just, I'll tell you off yeah. air, Joanna. Okay. But, um, how dare you want a movie to make you feel by the way? <laughs> well, that's, too much. that's a lot to ask of a movie. Joanna. Um, no, I, 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 Three Billboards has had this funny little arc where it was spiked for a second on sort of like film Twitter as like, this is what's going to win. And I feel like that's gone already, like a week or two later. Just sort of anecdotally, I went to Marshall Fine, who's a film critic and uh, in the critic circle, uh, who runs a, a film series up in Westchester in, in Pelham, New York. He, you know, it's like a film club and people subscribe and they go like once a month or whatever for a season. And um, afterward, he does a Q&A with somebody. So I was the Q&A person with him after Three Billboards. And so I saw the last 20 minutes again and, and then, you know, sort of in this room with this, you know, well-heeled Westchester set, you know, not Academy voters, I don't think, but maybe not demographically that far afield of, of some Academy voters, some of the older members. And the response to the movie seemed pretty tepid. You know, and I don't hmm, know if that, that I don't know if that's speak I mean, people cheered and they, you know, they they had like or clapped. They had their moments of reaction to the movie from what I saw, but they didn't. I don't know. I just didn't get a a, a really like excited vibe. And I wonder if it. I mean, it's a pretty profane movie. It's a violent movie in some ways. Like maybe that's what's not what's not locking into place. But I think you're right, Joanna, that there is, despite it winning the big pr People's Choice thing in Toronto, there is there seems to be a sort of emotional response that's lacking since the movie now is now out and, and available for people to see. But well, I can tell you one thing, uh, anecdotal thing, which is that I had lunch with uh, my old boss, who's 84 years old and hasn't doesn't look like he's a day over he was when he was 65 when i met him and he said francis mcdormand and three billboards give her all of the oscars oh, okay. so, yeah, that's, that's one anecdotal thing i also see that she's um she's now leading sally hawkins uh and search ronan by, and merrill by a lot on gold derby not really? that that necessarily means anything but she's but she's still got the inside line there but i do think one one challenge for and I, I will say when I saw Shape of Water, I thought it was fine and I thought Sally Hawkins was was it was quite good, but I I was having struggling with that emotional investment in Sally Hawkins, which I definitely felt was Sersha. But but I do think one of the other questions about Frances McDormand is is, is she going to campaign because uh, a lot of people wouldn't expect that to ha you know she hasn't really campaigned for anything ever before. Yeah, and she always seems happy when she won, but she also doesn't give a shit at the same time, you yeah. know, so. Yeah, well, she's the best person to watch during an awards show. Like, I cannot wait to see her at the Golden Globes rolling her eyes at whatever's going on on screen. 
Like yeah. she won all the awards for all of Kitteridge, but it was just sort of, she was just sort of like, yeah, okay. I mean, I deserve this cause I'm great, but yeah, I did not try at all. And I was just thinking that when I got a three billboards, I was like, not only is, do I think this isn't a slam dunk of a, everyone is going to connect to this performance, but there's no way Francis campaigns. And like, I don't know about Sersha, you know, she campaigned, I think pretty heavily for Brooklyn and, you know, a 24 has just done such a good job with that sort of thing in the past. Um, and, and like she would have the addition of sort of it being a buddy campaigning with Greta that I just, I, I think that that could go, I don't know about Sally Hawkins at all. And then like, but I was thinking about this. I was like the Academy, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but the Academy will give an award to two different kinds of people, uh, people who campaign their heart out. And then there's like people like Meryl or Francis, I think would be in that category of just sort of like, they don't have to campaign. They're, you know, venerated enough, you know, they just don't have to lift a finger. I think it's too soon to say whether Francis McDormand will, you know, go to events or not. But I think it's not too soon to say that neither she nor Sally Hawkins is going to put a giant charm offensive together. You know, like that's just not going to happen. No, no. So if Sersha is out there, like, you know, melting hearts on screen and then going and being incredibly charming, you know, at events. And I don't know if Academy members think about this stuff or not, but like, I, I, I understand that the show producers are a little bit worried about a world where, you know, all four actors are like long-standing actors in their 50s and above. You right. know, mm. it's just not the most glamorous situation. The idea right. being that the winners are uh, Laurie Metcalf, Gary Oldman, Willem Dafoe and Meryl. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I that's mean, or, or 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 Francis McDormand or whoever, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean like Meryl at least would be would bring some glam to that group. Yeah. Again, to bring up Joe Reed, like who is a very good at predicting this stuff, kind of sometimes based on very little. He he had some prophetic tweet last week, I think, where he was like, oh, "I kind of see a Margot Robbie win," which we've not talked about her. You know, yeah. I I don't know, I don't know what kind of um, I think that movie might. I mean, well, who knows what's what's breaking late when we have the post to consider? But like, I think Odd Tanya maybe should have been screening earlier or something I mean, it seems like people are seeing it now but but that's another one to consider and she again is a young actress who would probably be more willing to go out on the you know to all, yeah. all the glad handing stuff well and that and it's a hell of a performance i mean it's getting over overshadowed by by the supporting category but i mean right. she really uh it's incredible does anyone else think she was kind of just do channeling parker posey have we talked about this already <laughs> i think you mentioned it. i have heard that yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway. I, I I think she's amazing in it as well. But I don't know how f- Academy f- friendly that movie is. I just can see Sersha, you know, her amazing performance in the film aside. I can just see her just going around calmly telling people how to pronounce her name, like doing exactly the charm offensive that Emma Stone and Brie Larson, like she's of that set. Like, and yeah. it's just sort of like, don't you just love them? Beautiful, but not like overly threateningly, you know, like uber glam they're relatable they're just like lovely ladies who she's, are very good at what they do yeah she's a nice irish girl she has that great accent uh, <laughs> i remember uh, ryan gosling teaching us how to pronounce her name it's like inertia <laughs> I, I i just wanted to stick up as much as i love lady bird and love search and would love for her to win an oscar i i am kind of ready for a reversion from the young ingenue best actress trend uh which is not something that's been going on forever i mean julianne moore won recently kate blanchett but i don't know i i three billboards also left me cold in various ways but i did think francis mcdormand was incredible in it so i'd kind of i'm kind of okay splitting my loyalties on these two i i 
I, th- I just need one of these years to be not about the charm offensive, even though we all know perfectly well that it is. And like Gary Oldman winning could be an interesting example of that since he's famously not that good at the schmoozing part of things. I, I, I want to believe in the power performances again, guys. One other reason not to believe in the, in the, power of the charm offensive is as they bring all these new diverse people in i think they have better things to do than go to these corny lunches and stuff or they're based in like you know england or in bahrain or or who knows where yeah yeah i mean you know it's a little bit of that old crowd that sort of snuck in there in the 70s when anybody who was friends with an academy member could get in right where where you pick up those votes i i suspect i don't know not to be mean but i think that that you know that may be fading a little bit as they diversify and and have more young people right and the other thing with 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 saoirse is that uh you know yes she is young but this she would be a three-time nominee if she gets nominated this year you know so she's been around it's not like she's just like brie larson kind of just like showing up i mean not that yeah. brie larson she had been around too but like not in the same way so it would be a yeah. little bit different but i know what you mean katie and i kind of agree i kind of agree but i was just like but maybe next year <laughs> because i want it to be Sersha this year and then next year i agree it should be someone who has not campaigned and is just like <laughs> a veteran of the industry <laughs> this year i'm going to eat better and spend less time and money at the grocery store thanks to butcher box butcher box is the meat delivery subscription that gives me more time for what matters most Each month, they send a box of the highest quality meats for a better price in the grocery store, which gives me more time to spend cooking and sharing delicious meals with friends and family. Each month, ButcherBox ships a curated selection of high quality meat right to my home. All meat is free of antibiotics and hormones. Each box has 9 to 11 pounds of meat, which is enough for 24 individual meals. It's packed fresh and shipped frozen and vacuum sealed so that it always stays that way. I can customize my box or go with one of theirs. Either way, I get exactly what I want. ButcherBox is really the most affordable and convenient way to get healthy, humanely raised meat. With ButcherBox, you get the highest quality meat for just about $6 a meal. And they even have free shipping nationwide, except for Alaska and Hawaii. So start your year off right with up to 10 pounds of free meat. For a limited time, ButcherBox is offering new members their ultimate keto bundle when you sign up today. That includes one pork butt, two pounds of ground beef, and three pounds of bone-in chicken thighs for free in the first box by going to butcherbox.com slash cadence. That's butcherbox.com slash cadence. Well, as we were talking about the schmoozing and the screenings and all of the nonsense that goes a part of the season, um, I wanted just to get a really insidery and talk about screeners because, uh, Richard, you were saying before we started recording that your desk is just completely uh, overwhelmed by padded envelopes. I've been getting all kinds of weird stuff at my door. And I think what we get is probably nothing compared to what, let's say, Golden Globes voters are getting right now. Um, and Mike, your anecdote that I think says so much is thinking about the people uh, in these sun-filled living rooms in Bel Air trying to watch these movies on screener. Uh, what do we feel like is going to maybe do well for itself over this Thanksgiving break when people are going to take the time to look at their like teeming pile of screeners. What do we think is going to get a big boost from this period? That's a good question. Um, I I just opened a bunch uh, this morning uh, at my desk. Um, and, you know, there were some of the expected ones. Uh, but like, you know, Battle of the Sexes and Stronger are there. And like, those are movies that got overlooked. So maybe maybe people will say, oh, those are supposed to be kind of good and give those a watch. And and, and I don't know. I, I don't I think that both of those movies are pretty much out of the out of the hunt. Um, but in terms of stuff that's still in it, uh, I don't know. I mean, I kind of feel like. 
they've been sending out call me by your name screeners which i think is is interesting i think it's i thought it was kind of soon to do it um th- I, I i actually cannot imagine watching it on a screener right yeah so I'm, oh, i I'm, did it's good it holds up okay because i was i i'm i'm a little bit i'm not sure if that's going to be good or bad for the movie but i was just yeah. surprised to see it yeah. i would and not I got, watch I got it in it a twice. room i watched it on a couch with two other people which i didn't really like i think that's a it's a really internal movie and something you kind of want to like be able to focus on your own thoughts for um where something like battle of the sexes i think you can put on in a room full of people and do just fine uh but i do think i like i think the intimacy of call me by your name actually really suits well on the screener yeah well hopefully and um you know i think the other thing is you just got to put your phone in the other room right <laughs> yeah right exactly put, yeah exactly thing. that's that's the key to all of it um you know every year uh the, the the sort of like real long shots um send out their screeners early like i think last year the first screener i got was fast and furious 7 <laughs> <laughs> and i have fast year, and furious 8 yeah this year it was like split and um uh logan the the wolverine movies so like i don't know maybe Mm -hmm. maybe logan will get in there somewhere but but it is funny to see like who is just like yeah we're gonna go for it you know i still believe in a campaign for patrick stewart and logan sorry could happen i mean i mean that 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 category is pretty crowded but uh what what are you what are you guys gonna watch over the holiday do you have anything you're you're you've missed out on that you now have in your possession uh, I finally watched Mudbound yesterday, which is uh, on Netflix, so that actually doesn't technically count as a screener, but that was kind of high on my list of like things that I felt like I really needed to catch up on. And Netflix actually did send me a physical screener, which I find hilarious because the entire point of their service is that these things are very easily available at all times. Uh, but the one that I have sitting on my uh, sitting in my living room is The Beguiled, which I still haven't seen, and I was kind of counting down the days till that screener happened because that movie really seemed to disappear, but it's got so much talent behind it. I feel like I have to see it. Yeah, I mean that. That's. I mean, it's certainly the wild. Like, would have a chance maybe in some some technical categories at this point. But you know, I, I'm glad. To see, I'm glad to see that they are sending it out. You know that they're that they're still sticking with it um, because I think it's a movie that's worth seeing. Certainly, even though it's kind of freighted with some problems. Yeah, I mean, it feels like if it, if you mentioned supporting actor being so crazy crowded, like I feel like Colin Farrell would have a good year. I also have Killing a Sacred Deer. That's another one uh, that I just keep hearing about and finally get a chance. But it's funny because you look at the ones that are kind of like tough sits, like it took me a while to work up the energy for Mudbound. Uh, there was a point where I was looking through the screeners. I was like, all right, what's the shortest thing? And so I watched Beatrice at dinner because it was 82 minutes long. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of weird uh, ways you can get your way to the top of the pile. Yeah, and you kind of wonder, like, I, I'm, you know, I have the week off next week, and so I'm gonna, I'm spending that time watching a lot of movies to catch up before the film critic circle vote. You know, kind of top of my list is a lot of foreign language ones, and that's, I mean, to talk about put away your phone. Like, yeah. I got to read, the, right. I got to read the movie, so yeah. I can't, you know. So I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if, if, if for those categories, if like it's for that category in particular, foreign language, like if it's a good thing to have people at home doing it, or, or, or it's better to have them captive in the in the movie theater. I think that probably the latter is true. I, I uh, should have put the subtitles on for film style. Film stars don't die in Liverpool because uh, of all the the Liverpool the accents. The accents. Yeah. It was just like I don't know what. I, I look forward saying. to being able to watch Dunkirk on Blu-ray with uh, subtitles to finally understand what happened in that movie. <laughs> oh God, that's right. Yeah, that's an interesting you can thing. Find out what you can you can find out uh, have a whole new insight into the Tom Hardy strand. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't actually have anything. I got a screenplay for that because I vote in the Broadcast Film Critics Association, so they tend to really go whole hog in a wide variety of categories. So I got the screenplay for Dunkirk, but still no no screener, no Blu-ray. I think Nolan is really sticking to his guns on making that a big screen experience. I was just wondering um, if you know the people sitting in there sundappled living rooms in beverly hills uh if if 
the the movies that are more uplifting or slightly funnier or something like that do stand a better chance when you're trying to slog your way through a bunch of movies. That wasn't always historically the case. Like I think these big um, weighty dramas were, um, you know, were, were always favored. But you know, Moonlight is not a laugh a minute. But Moonlight and La La Land are both to me feel like uplifting in a way, you know. And and I think Lady Bird is the same way. And um, and so I'm wondering if if something that is a tough sit when you're staring down the barrel of that many screeners, if that if that just like it gets well out of the race at this point. I don't know. Yeah, I wanted to make the case for Itanya on that note, because I got the screener of that yesterday, and the cover of it's got Margot Robbie kind of in a, in a figure skating uniform leaning against a wall, looking really confrontational. And I think if you know anything about Tanya Harding, you at least want to know like what it's uh, what it's like. It, it, it's got a curiosity factor that I, I it's hard for me to imagine someone ignoring that screener on the pile. I think that will play really well on screeners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do too. I mean, for me, one consideration is what will my parents want to watch? Mm-hmm. And to yes. that extent, Battle of the Sexes, I feel like, is t- it's top of that yep. list. Like, mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's a down-the-middle kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that that really has any bearing on how the Academy votes, but, like, you know, I, it, 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 it is a very... Oh, like, stronger? I mean, yeah, I, you know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm going it. home to Boston. Yep. I mean, this is like... <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, I'd really, I mean, I don't, I'm not even sure how many people who actually have screeners are listening to this, but I mean, do we want to make a case for anything? I would love for anyone who has a screener or stronger, that's hard to say, uh, to, to put that in, because I think that movie is really phenomenal. And I think it works well on a screener, honestly. It's it's intimate. It's it's low-key. I, I caught it on a screener. I caught half of it because Mike and I saw half of it in Toronto for complicated reasons. Uh, but I was really glad that I did and that I finished it. Yeah, I mean, I um, I wouldn't watch this with your parents. Well, depending on your parents, I guess. Um, but I've, I have a screener for Beats Per Minute, the great French movie mm-hmm. uh, about AIDS mm-hmm. activists that I really love. Again, I don't know if subtitles is the best thing at home versus in a theater, but it's not playing in many theaters. Mm-hmm. So I would I would make a case for that. I think it's it's a strong contender for best foreign language film um, in a kind of a weak year for foreign language films, uh, at least the ones that are in contention for the Oscar. So yeah, that's, that's where I would go. Uh, again, I'm not watching with my parents. Yeah, I was really glad I had BPM on a screener because I couldn't tell many of the characters apart because they're all French white guys with short hair. Uh, so I had to rewind at one point to figure out what was going on. And I, I was glad I had that access. Uh, but the movie is great. If you can get Darkest Hour with subtitles, that would be a good one to watch with your dad. <laughs> right. Yes, because exactly. actually half the time you don't know what uh, Churchill's saying right. if you're watching, if, if you're not reading it. So I think that that would actually bring a whole new dimension to the movie. Yeah, Richard, I noticed in your your, your review of The Darkest Hour that you uh, plugged Their Finest at the end of it, which is Lone Shurfig's story also about Dunkirk. Does that have a comprehensible dialogue? Is that the movie that will finally explain to me what happened at Dunkirk? Oh, yeah. I mean, because that, <laughs> well, because that that's a movie about people making a movie about Dunkirk. So it puts it in the simplest of terms, really. Okay, yeah. good. It's a great movie. People should seek that out if they, if they can. It's a really nice... I mean, you know, as this kind of weird accidental Dunkirk trilogy has unfolded this year, uh, that's definitely the brightest. And I mean, it's got a sad kind of ending, but it's it's really nice. That does it for this week's Little Gold Men. Thanks for listening. And find us on Apple Podcasts where you can rate us and review us and tell other people about it and get everyone in on the Oscar season conversation. Uh, You can find us all at VanityFair.com talking about all of these movies and so much more. Uh, You can find us all on Twitter at Little Gold Men where we love to hear from you. And we're all on our own. I'm at Katie Rich. Mike? Mike underscore Hogan. And Richard? Rye Laws. And Joanna? Joe wrote this. This episode was edited and produced by Jordan Bell, and thanks to Andy Bowers at Panoply. This week's award for what Richard can't say about Meryl Streep in the Post goes to Mike Hogan. Give her all of the Oscars. Oh. <laughs>